0: This morning we turn to the prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. The people of God saw their temple destroyed. In 625 B.C. And then they were scattered. And they were taken into captivity. The promises that eventually God would bring them back to Jerusalem. Then you will call upon me. Uh, for I know the thoughts that I have that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, for I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive when you begin reading the prophecy of Jeremiah you very early in that reading become aware that he was marked by God before he was born God spoke to him in a in a very definite way about the purpose of his life And here in chapter 1, verse 5, is what Jeremiah said about himself. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. But Jeremiah was aware of this later in life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I called you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now the people to whom Jeremiah spoke were captives in a culture of ungodliness. They were captives in a culture of ungodliness. God's people, those who were, who were called by the almighty God, the creator God, had become so reckless in their lifestyles that an erosion of godliness washed righteousness out of their minds and hearts. Sin was deep, in their nation, idol worship flourished, surrounded them, hemmed them in, and rulers of the government encouraged demonic practices, the worst of which was probably the sacrifice of babies. God allowed his people here known as Judah, to be dominated. He allowed them to be dominated. He told his people that in that domination, in that captivity down there in Babylon, they were to do something they had never expected him to tell them to do. He told them, settle in. <laughs> Build houses. You're gonna be here for a while plant gardens I will be with you and in the hardship and in the difficulty of being captive you will know that I'm God but here's how you'll know me in hard times here's how you'll experience my presence with you you will seek me you will seek me and find me when You seek me with all your heart. The recklessness had to be given up. Concentration on the things of God across the whole of life now had to be the focus of the people. They were going to be there for 70 years in Babylon, but they could still know the blessing of God's strength in their life even though their life was not ideal. He was going to enable them to move through this time of great, great difficulty. What he said to those people was their expectations for the future did not have to be fearful, and their dreams and hopes did not have to be considered worthless fantasies because he promised the best for his people, and he would keep his promise, even though they were not exactly where they wanted to be. So out of this ancient text, this truth comes from me and you. 20th, 21st century people today, God fulfills his promises when his people exercise faith in his word and not in their religious ideas about him. God fulfills his promises when his people exercise faith based in his word and not in their religious ideas about him. What that means is that when faith is diligent, when it's filled with earnest desire and and strong affection and deep longing to know him, it shows a true heart and God meets that seeker. The frustration of not being able to find something is known by every one of you. Some of you, probably more so the females among us than, than the males, because we tend to turn to our mothers and our wives, know this question. You are very familiar with it. Where's my, where did you put it? as if mom or the wife took what we were looking for. Not being able to to find what we think is so absolutely essential. I can't find it. I don't know where to look. Well, have you looked? And then the number of places are, are named. Yeah, I looked there. Yeah, I looked there. Now, I'll admit and and... I already did this at 8.30. My wife's in the choir, so, so she heard her accolade. Uh, you don't have to beat a path to her after, after services to tell her. It's interesting when I tell these family stories how some of you immediately go to the person I've talked about. But anyway, okay. She, Pat's familiar with this. I'm guilty of that. She is so able, as many of you women are, to find things, things that we overlooked or in our, in our haste and, and just hurried through things, didn't look carefully enough, she finds and brings them, brings them to us. Uh, some of you are too young to appreciate my next comment, but some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's really bad when you can't find your eyeglasses. Because you need your eyeglasses to find your eyeglasses, but you don't have your eyeglasses to find them. It's amazing, these compromising situations we get ourselves into. And we need somebody, somebody to help us get out of that mess. Well, here's the verse. Now, that illustration, that's wrung dry. I can't talk about that anymore. We're done with that. But here's what you need to hear connected to that story that you all know about. And some of you were looking at one another and saying, he's talking about you. It's funny to watch you when I give these illustrations. (laughs) Here's the verse you need to hear. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Did you really look? Did you really look? You know, this God stuff, I I, I don't get it. I I just don't get it the way the the preacher describes it. Or or I don't I don't feel the way that, that I see other people acting in worship. That that doesn't that doesn't seem natural to me. Well why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? Are you really seeking? Are you really looking? I mean, are you really, really looking? Or are you doing a, a cursory look and expecting someone else to find for you? you all participated in scavenger hunts, and, and they can be fine. Uh, it can be a lot of fun. But it's interesting the way a scavenger hunt works because each find still leaves an incomplete. Each find or clue is expected to get us closer to the prize. But you've got a responsibility. You find the first clue, you're feeling pretty good, but in order to have more, you have to move on to the second clue. And then to have still more, you've got to go on to the third clue, and you may be in a scavenger hunt that has 10, 15, or 20 clues until you finally arrive at the prize. Promises wherein we have responsibility to realize a reward aren't nearly as much fun as someone just giving us something. We don't want to put forth a whole lot of effort. Just give it to me. No, I'm not going to just give it to you. You may have this if, like I said to the kids, when I was their age or a little older, I did not like to hear that word if. Because I knew that it was going to have a condition connected with it. It was going to have a responsibility attached to it that I probably was going to be the person that had to fulfill it. So promises that have a reward to be realized often carry a responsibility. We really don't care to hear someone say to us, I promise I will if you will. I promise I will, if you will. But when you get into your Bibles, you see that time and time again across the pages of Scripture. God's intent for us. Most people want promises without duty or responsibility, but that's not what God has planned. That's not what he's willing to do for us. And it started way, way early in the Bible. I'm going to give you just one example, but there are are countless examples of this across the pages of Scripture. Just take a look at, at the 29th verse of chapter 4 in Deuteronomy and see what it says. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if... But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. This will be the result. God will do this if you do this. In order for God to break through to us, in order for God to break through to us, We have to prove ourselves ready to believe him. And we prove ourselves ready to believe God by obedience to his word. You were told as a child and you have told children, show me, show me that you're going to do this. Show me that I can trust you. Show me, show me, show me. me." We're built that way because that's the way God is. And so how do we do this? Well, the Bible says that we do it by thinking God's mind. And how do you think God's mind? Well, his mind is disclosed, it's described, his desire is pictured for us in the word called the Bible. And so we think God's mind, we learn that word, we study that word, we get into the word And then what we do with that is practice that word by walking in it, by doing it. Now, there's something that we need to understand, and we need to accept this truth, that the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about you. It's about you and your relationship to God and what you can expect. Biblical truth is always about you and me. Biblical truth is always about you and me. And no one no one is responsible for your breakthrough to God except you. Now, we can come alongside and help you. We can guide, we can offer assistance But if God is going to be allowed to really break through to you, you are the one who has to allow him to do that. Only you can do that. Now understanding that truth, it's out of the heart of scripture. Understanding that truth, it means that I will not prevent God from from showing me new truth by blaming others. I'm not going to blame the pastors of my church because God hasn't broke through to me. I'm not going to blame them and say, well, they're not good communicators or they don't have interesting stories or they don't entertain me enough. I'm going to understand that my responsibility is mine. I'm not going to blame my class leader Sunday school teacher because it's my responsibility to invest myself in a way, even if that person is not the greatest presenter, they have sincerity, they have truth, they have accuracy. I hear and I receive and I take it to my enrichment and my blessing. And I'm not going to blame others when God doesn't break through to me because they have not Soothed me because they haven't stroked me enough because they haven't told me how wonderful I am. I go to church to be told how wonderful I am and they' they 're just not doing that anymore they're just not they 're just not stroking me it 's not anybody's fault but our own if God is not able to break through in you and me. Biblical truth, listen to this, biblical truth is always, is always about where I am. Biblical truth is always about where you are and what you need. Uh, When you sit down to, uh, to eat a meal, you like to have just Your favorite food's there. And you can't always have your favorite food. Everybody at the table can't have their favorite food. But that doesn't mean the food that's on the table is not good for you. It has vitamins and nutrients that your body needs to be healthy. And so uh, you eat that. Not your favorite meal, but but it's not that it's not palatable. And so you eat it, and your body benefits from that. Some of you are sitting there this morning thinking, oh man, this guy is talking about stuff that I'm really not interested in. Well then you're not going to have a breakthrough. God is not going to break through. If you seek me, if you seek me, you will find me, says the Lord. God's not going to just come to you without you giving him attention. Some of you in this room belong to the same club that I belong to. And when I tell you the name of the club, many of you won't know what I'm talking about and you're blessed to not know. But Those who belong to the club will know immediately what I'm talking about. We belong to the zipper club. We're the people who have had open heart surgery. And when I was lying there in the cath lab, it'll be eight years next month, and I heard the cardiologist say to me, "Uh, Mr. Hummel, uh, this is a serious situation. Uh, you have uh, four blockages. You need a quadruple bypass. I did not say to him, well, two will be enough. <laughs> Just give me two. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I don't wanna, I really don't want to deal with, with these other ones. Two, two will handle it. I said, okay, if, if that's what we need, so that i can enjoy a vibrant vital life again do it get it get it done and and he did and and it's just been such a blessing uh, i wouldn't recommend it uh, but uh, if you need it it's it's a wonderful wonderful thing well let me ask you this Are you choosing to keep blockages in your life? Are you keep choosing to keep spiritual blockages in your life? Yes, some of you are. And it's as ludicrous as if I would have told the heart surgeon, now, just do two, don't do four. You need the full flow of God's life-giving spirit into you so that the word flows through you in all of its fullness and with all of its power to sustain and to keep you. You need the nurturing that God can give you like the blood nurtures your body. You cannot improve your spiritual health so long as you are choosing to have blockages. It just will not happen. And breakthrough will not occur. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me, you will find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If and when you seek him. Here are some ways To do that, you seek him with pure thought. You seek him with a clean mind. You don't engage in the kind of talk and conversation that goes on around a lot of water water coolers and coffee pots. You don't participate in lunches that are filled with innuendo and temptation. You do nothing that compromises your position as a Christian woman or a Christian man. You are not seen in a situation that anyone could misconstrue your intentions. You have a life that is pure, you have a thought life that is pure. You have honesty and integrity in all aspects of your life if you are truly seeking God. If you want God to break through, there can be no blockages anywhere. You have honesty, integrity, and integrity at all levels. And you are working with your spouse to maintain holy matrimony, holy matrimony, set apart for the glory of God in your marriage by daily honoring your wedding vows. And you are taking care of your bodies, your minds, and your spirits. It's all part of seeking God. What we are doing this morning, folks, is not separated and is not detached from where you live and who you are. What we are doing this morning is absolutely futile and it is empty if you do not seek God in the whole of your life, in everything you are and do, your thought life, your activity, your employment, your marriages, everything must be brought before him as part of the seeking process of knowing him. That's the exhortation of the word of God. God first in my thoughts, in everything. God first in my financial considerations. If I'm truly seeking him, then how do I honor him with the the resources, with the finances? Yes, with the money that I have. If I'm seeking God first... What that means is that before I encumber myself with great debt for another car or a bigger house or whatever, I take it before the Lord and I say, Almighty God, guide me and direct me in this financial decision because I'm seeking you. I'm seeking to know you. I want you first in my life, a first consideration. I want you in first position in everything. So I need to determine if by making this financial decision, I am pushing you to the periphery, off the center of my life. By signing this contract, by indebting myself, am I making it harder to be faithful with a first fruit offering? Am I making it more difficult for myself to, to respond to your word? Am I blocking your power by saying, well, if I now that I have this and I bought this, I can't possibly give 10% to the church. Even though your word says that, God, you'll just have to forgive me because you are in the business of forgiveness. No. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's in every aspect of your lives, including how you spend your money. And the discipline and instruction of the Lord for your children. Some of you baptized your children as infants. Some of you waited to allow them to make that decision but you've dedicated your children but all of you have, have somehow come before God and, and promised him that you are going to be a model of righteousness for your sons and daughters. How are you doing with that? If you're seeking God Wanting him to break through into your life in fresh, new, and wonderful ways. You are disciplining and instructing your children in the Lord. You are making sure that they are, they are being well-educated and that you are aware of what they are being taught and that you are interpreting their education in the light of Scripture and helping them to appreciate the truths of science and math and communication and, and all that they're, they're learning at schools, the arts, the sciences, and bringing God's word into that. And why are you doing that? Not just because you're a parent, but because God made you a parent. Because the Bible says, your children are a gift from the Father above. So you seek Him in all things. You seek Him in everything. And you make sure in your parenting that you are not pushing your children to be recognized, to be successful. In areas that you were or were not, so that you can get recognition. The name Jeremiah means Jehovah throws. (laughs) The name Jeremiah means Jehovah throws. Jehovah, God. Lays down a foundation. Almighty God establishes, appoints, and provides directions for His people to have the best life possible. Jehovah throws. My dear people in Christ, the if looms so large. The if looms so large because God used it. God says, if you, then I will. <laughs> if you will obey my word, if you will seek me through my word, if you will walk in my ways, then I will bless you. I will come to you in fresh New ways. I will break through the stale old religion and you will encounter me in the vital experience of relationship. I'm asking you to do something right now, today. I want you to decide. I want you to decide to make all that God has for you your first choice for the rest of the days of your life. I'm asking you to decide right now for the rest of your life to make all that God has for you your first choice. And I want you to tell him if you're willing to do that. I want you to tell him that. I want you to say, God, I want what you want for me. And I'm going to seek you with all of my heart that I may know you more fully, more wonderfully, completely than I ever have before. And I'm going to live by your word. And that word is going to be the strength of my life. In all aspects of my life, oh God, I am going to seek to know your mind and heart so that I am centered in your will. Here's the promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray. Lord, even when we don't always seek you, you seek us. You seek us through the, the grand music of the church, the fellowship of believers, the preaching and the study of your word because you have always shown yourself to be a God who wants to be at the center of our lives. Alive in your people, present with your people, a power to sustain, and keep, and, and hold us steady in all the days, circumstances, and situations of our lives. So, Father, this morning, for those who have who have raised up that desire, prayed that prayer in their hearts that they are going to seek you, to find you in every aspect of their lives. Guide them and direct them by your Holy Spirit. And may may they know the joy of the fulfillment that comes from living that way. In the blessed name of Jesus and under him as Lord, I pray. Amen and amen.